You're listening to After the Jack, a McPherson Media Group production. Hello and welcome to another edition of After the Jack. I'm your host, Tyler Marr, here in the studio again with Brian Nisbet to my right. Brian, how are you? Good afternoon, Tyler. Very well, after a little operation. Uh, you're all right, Brian. You're fit and, fit and fighting. Uh, it wasn't my brain either, despite, you know. That's, uh, that's a lobotomy, mate. You've already had one of those, I'd say. <laughs> and uh, also back in the studio is Ash Williamson. Ash, good to have you back. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks to Brian and all the listeners. And uh, special guests in the studio today are the sponsors of After the Jack and uh, owners of the Shepherd and Bowls shop, uh, Lee and Chantel Wakenshaw. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us on the show today. Um, from me and Chantal for Shepherd and Bowls shop, and Chantal's here too. Thank you very much, Brian, for inviting us. We really appreciate it. Always love listening. Thanks, Chantel. It's always a pleasure to see you and Lee representing Bowls. Uh, you're very passionate about the sport and. That's what we like, um, young and enthusiastic people involved in the game. Don't you agree, Ash? Yeah, and certainly from, from our point of view, Brian and, and Tyler, th- this, this whole concept with the, the podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of, of um, Lee and Chantal. So we really appreciate them getting behind us and that's really helped giving us the platform to promote Goulburn Valley Bowls. Certainly has, and we really appreciate it. No, not a problem anytime, guys. Now, uh, not much weekend bowls to talk about, Brian, but uh, plenty of midweek action. Uh, we uh, rolling straight into it? Yeah, we'll roll straight into it. Uh, midweek review, round five. Uh, just some brief notes here. In Division 5, Duke, you're undefeated and loom as premiership favourites after counting for second place, Rushy at Rushy. Avril and Yarrow make up the four. And Glenda Exton is the dominating skip in Division 5. She's won four, lost one. In Division 4, Nagambi have a mortgage on the 4th Division Premiership with the rink of Mannequin, Page, Lynn Miller and John Bond. 155 shots up after five rounds. They are 20 points and 99 shots up on Murchison who are in second position who they play next round at Nagambi. Merrigan and Tat round up the round off the uh, four. In Division Three, Park lead the way undefeated with Bill Gullick, the division stop skip. They transmarooped in the golf by thirty one shots last round and are the early favourites to win the pennant. Marupna stand open Marupna golf and Yarrow all have three wins and two losses and follow in that order on the ladder. In Division 2, East Shep and Shep Golf have jumped the pack in Division 2 and are both undefeated after five rounds. East Thrash bottom team, Tad Hilltop Blue by 31 shots, while Golf toweled up fourth place, Avenal by 33 shots. Kai had a third team in the four, belting Seymour by 38 shots down there and Stacey Collier is the top skip in this division with four out of four wins. She missed a game and she's still on top. In Division 1, Kai comfortably defeated Park Goal by 22 shots. I think Ash went for Park Goal. I'll get one up on you here, Ash. Yeah, yep. And they retained top position. Park 10 in a ripper by two shots over Marupna Golf, who have now lost two on the trot, but holds second spot from Park 10. Shep Golf and Seymour all on three wins and nothing between them. 
Jan Doherty's rink of Elsie Gale, Desmark and Alan Beggs. One by two over Paul Warren Strong rink. And Jan is the only unbeaten skip in midweek Division 1 after five rounds. Mm, she's claimed a few scalps, and uh, that one on Tuesday, there won't be many bigger, I don't think, throughout the course of the year. That that rink um, of Paul Warren's had had a huge win against Rushworth the week before. So uh, big result. Couldn't quite get him over the line. I think there was a draw on another rink, and then Die Hands' rink was the decisive one there. Well, they'd be the only Division 1 skippers from any team playing... Skipping third in the midweek. To my knowledge, what about Shep Golf? No, no, uh, not not as a combo. No, no. okay. Uh, they'd yep. certainly they'd certainly be the only ones together. Yeah, and um, the uh, another important result as well was Seymour beating Tat Hilltop at Seymour. And um, speaking to uh, Jeanette Overall. Um, she said that they they really struggled to adjust to Seymour's new synthetic surface out there, and I think Seymour will certainly catch a lot of sides out, particularly um, in midweek and Saturday pennant. And um, uh, speaking to Jeanette, I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, the Greens committee's asked to just go and have a little look out at Seymour's green and see if it's up to scratch, speed wise. That is, Brian. Yeah, fair comment. Um... I questioned their grass and copped a bit of flack off uh, Terry Flynn down there, but um, graciously referred the matter on to Mel Williams and no more was said about it. So yeah, that was <laughs> I was in the right camp at the right time. But their green run eleven seconds, and it was in the during uh, during the season. I played on some decent grass greens at Seymour. Yep, never played on their carpet, so I can't comment on it whatsoever. Yeah. Well, she, she seemed to think it was running at about oh, 10, 10 or 11, maybe 12 at a pinch. Is, yeah, that, I, is, that, is that within the recommended I, um, speed guidelines? Is it 13 it, to... Yeah, well, I think 12 is acceptable. Yeah, I think it's um, 12 to 16. Okay. Want to have yeah. I, I th- I, yeah, I think it's... It is slow, yeah, for a, yeah. for, even for a carpet green, but it's pretty hard to slow a carpet green down unless you tip... It's sand fill unless you put more sand in it. Well, it's, it's and a you new, don't it's water it, so yeah, it's a new surface. I think it'll take a while yeah, to, right. to, to increase its speed, and uh, I think it's one of those things where we've all done it. I think Brian and you agree, Lee as well, and Chantal. The first thing we blame when we have a have a loss is is probably the green. The second, right. the conditions. Yeah, that's right. So, I, rem- I remember yeah. I was president of East Shepherd, and when we moved on to our new sand fill greens at Circus Lane. And I played a guy, you know, I was played a lot of Division 1 there, but I played this guy, he was in the lowest division in the club. I reckon the green was running lucky to be nine, about the first week after it was laid. And I said, whoever plays this guy, I'll tell you what, he'll take some beating because he just, it, just straight down the line. And yeah, I mean, it just suits players. Of uh, You just couldn't. There's no finesse or anything required, but that's what it was like, running about nine seconds initially. Well, to put it in comparison, I played a Division 2 game on Saturday last season at Seymour, and we were going pretty well at the time as a, as a overall 16. I think we were in the top four, and Seymour were right down the bottom, and, and they beat us over there, and it was like playing on the Hume Highway. You, you couldn't stop your bowls, so it's obviously gone from one end... Yes, to the yes, other, yes, and yes. I think that's where it catches a lot of away sides out, for sure. Well, Rushworth is like that. Yeah. I've played on it when it's been very stodgy, lucky to be running more than 13, and then you go over there on a cloudless night for their twilight tournament, 
And it's running about 20 seconds. Oh, yeah, very true. And it's yeah. hard to keep the ball on the green. It's enormous yeah. draw as well. It's yeah. it's a very challenging surface, as Lee and uh, Chantel will confirm. Yeah, we had many good years at Rushworth. Um, the green was tricky. You had to adjust pretty quickly um, when you played from other clubs coming to Rushworth. So it was always good when you're playing at home. You got a good jump on the opposition. But um, they're very tricky synthetic to play on indeed. And I do agree with Ash. Um, Seymour's one, before the new one, I haven't played on a new one, but that was a very, very quick surface as well. Very true, Yeah. very, very quick. You had to had to pull a bit of weight off after the first couple of events. Yeah, yep. Yeah, well, I haven't had the pleasure yet. I'll have to arrange a game, Ash. I'll <laughs> see if anyone from Seymour will have a game with me. <laughs> you, uh, you touched on it uh, briefly, Brian, but Nagami is absolutely flying in uh, in the midweek in Division yes. Four, I think it was, hundred and twelve to fifty six. The score was this week. Yeah, well, they got they got Angel Mannington, who's their best lady bowler, and Ash gave her a good. She is a good. She came there after winning the singles at Cockatoo, and I remember her, um, Rob Smith saying, "Brian, ring up the president at Cockatoo and just see what um, what she's done down there, but she said she'd won the singles. We confirmed all that, and he took a great interest in. He wanted us to contact. He said you picked up a very good young bowler there, and she'll be a she'll be a player of the future. And uh, she's definitely gone, got better and better each year. Um, she's only a seventeen year old girl, I think, when she turned up, and she had to play with all men. We did have a few men down there then. We had a pretty competitive side, and. She's done a great job and really kicked on and you couldn't have a better third than Rob Page, who I rate as the best bowler that's been at Nagambi since the great um Since the great Frank Brian Sinelli, Since the great Frank, Frank Sinelli, Sinelli yep. who won twenty seven club championships. Mm, yep. The only thing he didn't do, he only won uh his best effort was four in a row, which he achieved about three times. He couldn't win five in a row, which is a, a good problem to have. Honey yeah. damper on good. his career. <laughs> but, uh, Angel and uh, Rob, 4013. Uh, Fiona Smith and Des Fothergill, uh, 4220. And Vicky Reedy and Lynn Sinden, 30 to 23. And as you said, they, uh, they've got a mortgage on the, uh, the premiership in that division, but um, they'll, they'll certainly have to, to keep it going through finals. Yeah. Well, so did Angel move with her family? Is that how she lobbed in the Gambia? No, she- no, she just come up there. I think she might have a relative up there. Okay. She, yeah, an auntie or someone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just lobbed into the town. And and it's certainly, um, you know, good good confidence booster for her to be skipping in the midweek and on, on Saturday, and she'll only improve out of that. And like you said, having the likes of Rob Page to sort of um, bring her along and really help help with her knowledge of the game, she's obviously really thriving from that. Oh, yeah, you couldn't get a better... He, uh, Page, he's a terrific player. He never, he never goes crooked, his players, or... And he's just he just roll he just rolls up and he's so casual. The Ice Man, he's won the champion of champions he has. up here. Yep, he's a very underrated player. But you, if you ask many, you ask all the skippers in the all the top bowlers in the GV, they'll say Robert Page. He's up there with the best of them. Yeah, very hard man to beat. Certainly over a long period of time as well. Like I think he won that champion of champions maybe in the early nineties. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. And you know he's still very competitive in this. You know, so he's played against the John Stokeses, the Roy Rowans, you know, the um, the Cole Todds, all those great bowlers of sort of part, uh, decades past. So he's he's matched it with the best of them, and he's still doing it with the the modern or the contemporary ones now. Yeah, and he's only sixty one, so he's still got a lot of 
bowls left in him. Yeah, exactly. And I can't see him ever leaving the Gamby. He'd be a handy pickup for, uh, you know, most Division One sides. Obviously, Nagambi's not in there this year, but uh, I'm sure he'd, he'd get a game at most Div One sides that are in there now. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Rightio, Lee and Sean Tal Wakenshaw, we welcome you from uh, our, our major sponsor of After the Jack, the Shepherd and Bowl Shop. Um, it's great to have you on board. Uh, very passionate bowlers, as I've already touched on, and their love of the game has been expanded into their business, the Shepherd and Bowl Shop. And we must not forget Chantel's parents' contribution to the everyday running of the shop, Gail and Graham McEwen. They're also keen bowlers, and they're the family that stick together, and the four of them are very um, customer-orientated when you step into the store. Um, after commuting from Colbo to Shep, they are now living to Tura, but are all playing members of the Marupna Bowls Club this year. Uh, you all initially started at Rushworth Bowling Club. Why not Colbo? Uh, we did have two years at Colbo to start with. Um, we started off at Colbo and moved to Rushworth, yeah, after a couple of years. How did you find their greens? Colbo's greens when we were there were... Well, very we did a green. Lot of practice on them. They were very green. Very they green. Were, <laughs> they were a little heavy, but I went back a couple of years ago, played the Finn Ruffley, Rufchin, um Invitational. The greens were running lovely that day. Kudos to the boys there. I, I remember I started with good old classic two deluxes. Thought, this is all right. You know, practicing at Colbo, it was heavy, and they were fine. They went really well. First first game of pennant was away at Shep Park. Well, oh, did yeah. I learn pretty quickly that they weren't really going to cut the mustard? <laughs> oh, we had a lot going to ditch that day coming from Colbo to Shep Park. <laughs> yeah, chalk and cheese, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really was. It was running, running really good. And I remember first day of bowls we ever played, blowing a gal, and I in the morning, I might call it off. It's a bit windy for an old pulse. <laughs> yeah, we, we found out that our classic twos weren't much chop that day. <laughs> and what made you choose uh, Marupna Golf ahead of, uh, say, when you're living in Tat, Tat now, the new combo in Tat Hilltop? Yeah. Um, Marupna Golf, uh, Judy McDonald rang us during during the first lockdown where we were a bit stir-crazy and we didn't have the shop open. And they basically just said to us they were uh, needing some new members and we have good relationship, we'd like to think, with all of our clubs. So it is a difficult decision. We wanted to go closer and Marupna Golf was a good fit for the four of us. We're absolutely loving our bowls out there. Um, going very well so far as our little special rink so we're you know we're doing pretty well so we hope they're happy to have us because we're very happy to be there yeah fantastic and it's certainly um you know good to see marupna golf um you know supporting a club like that and um you know help helping them out where you can um lee you gave up your job um i know speaking to you before you're a public service officer to concentrate fully on the business with the bowls Shop, um, can you talk to us a little bit about um, sort of making that commitment and how um, how much success you've had with the bowl shop? Obviously, um, you know I know you get out and about with lots of visits to clubs and do pop up shops and things like that. So it's obviously been a really good um, career move for you. Yeah, it has been a good career move for me. Um, the initial plan was a five year plan, so I was going to Chantal was going to run a shop on her own mm-hmm. with obviously the help of Graham and Gal, which are still helping us obviously today while we're here. They're filling in for us. Yep. Um, but as we built up the business quite quickly, and um, Chantal was very proactive with um, 
all this um, pop-up shops are getting around to clubs. We had so many book, booked in. Mm. I was using a lot of my holiday time to go away and do pop-up shops, which is absolutely fantastic to grow the business. And we just realised it was time for me to leave that job, come over and sue the business full-time. We was going absolute great guns. COVID hit mm. us a little bit, as it did with absolutely everyone. We're not the only people it hit, but... Um, we're back on track now. Bit of a shame that we've lost a Vic Open this year, but hopefully comes back next year. But um, we'd like to thank all the clubs in the local area and the adjoining areas, Albury areas, and everyone who um, supports us and all that. Thank you very much to everyone for supporting us as a business. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and um, you mentioned the, um, the the Vic Open in obviously the Goulburn Valley and the, the Aussie Open at Broadbeach. Um, how, how important and how... Um, special is it for you guys to be able to network with those bowlers who aren't sort of always in the area so you get you know the people coming up from Melbourne or even up up on the Gold Coast the you know people coming from overseas and stuff like that how much how much does that bring to your business and that sort of stuff the exposure um, well, it's always great to get everybody's perspective, uh, particularly uh, my New Zealand people. I love them when they come over Vic Open. <laughs> they they just they just bring their purses and they love to have a shop and to get different how they do things differently and compare notes. And we get a lot of long term customers as well because people meet us at the Vic Open. They take our business cards and they ring us up and they go, "Oh, you probably don't remember us, but we shopped with you at the Vic Open." And and, and actually getting to know people and what they do. Mm -hmm. And especially uh, with bowls, everybody needs a set of bowls which suits them. There's, when I say when people come to the shop, we say to them, there's no right or wrong answer. It's what works with you that feels comfortable and works for your game. So, you know, it's really important to make sure you're talking to everybody. And I, and I think that's the, one of the great things about the bowls community. It's a very personal sort of community, whereas... Um, you know, it, um, it doesn't matter whether you've played for Australia or whether you're just a Division 5 bowler for your local club. Um, everyone sort of talks to each other and everyone feels like that they're on the same sort of level, um, same wavelength, whereas, you know, obviously with footballers, there's AFL footballers and there's country footballers, there's probably not that, that opportunity for them to interact like like there is in the bowls community and that must be a big advantage for you guys, having, having a bowl shop and being able to com- connect with so many people from all walks of life and different abilities and stuff like that as well. Oh, yeah, massively. I mean, um, every every person who steps out in the bowling green, I think we all got the same love for the game. Whether, mm. whether you be your Division 6 leader, your Division 1 skipper, everyone, mm. everyone's got that passion. And everyone's, the, the one sport what I've realised, everyone's willing to help everyone, mm. like to improve yes. their bowling greens, uh, volunteer around the clubs and everything. It's, it's a massive, massive... Um, effort by everyone and a great community to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. and uh, obviously um, speaking of the Bowls community being very tight-knit, you're a very close family as well and um, playing a lot of Falls tournaments all around the area. Can you tell us how that dynamic works and who skips and who who, who runs the show in that in those tournaments? Well, it's actually interesting. I always joke and say it's the only team that you're guaranteed to never get kicked out of. It doesn't matter how well or how bad you play, you still get a game next week. Yes, yep. <laughs> Uh, in tournaments, we always change it up. You never know who's going to be playing in what position. I, yep. I like to have a little run out at lead now and again. Always yep. good fun. Yep. Um, yeah, I think um, your your dad's our new skip at the moment, isn't he? I think oh, Gra- Graham's the, the head honcho, the chief. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and lastly, um, obviously, the, the Bowl Shop, great supporters of the podcast and bowls in, in general. Um, and it's great that we're obviously back on the greens for this season. Can you tell us about some of the deals on at the Bowl Shop? And uh, obviously, uh, everyone's back out there, so I'm sure they'd be keen to hear what, what you've got on offer at the moment. Uh, well, we've launched our Reward Your Club again. Uh, so basically, all you have to do is come in and shop and you get a, you, every person who comes in from your club, you get a cross on our board and we send out vouchers when you reach each of the coloured levels which clubs can use for their fundraising or raffles or whatever they'd like to use them for. Um, it's just giving back to the clubs who support us. Uh, specials in store. Also, we have a... Big shipment at Arrow Bowls just come in. Plenty of sizes. We've got your Optimas. We've got your Evolves. We've got your Dynamics. If you buy from our floor stock, you get a free Arrow Sports bag. Very good for taking away for overnighters or a travelling companion when we get back to holidays. <laughs> so, yep, that's one of them. And the other thing is we do have Ufos slides 10% off. Perfect weather for Ufos slides. Get your feet out. Get some air on them. Yeah, definitely, definitely fong weather at the moment. Oh, and I, the the club initiative, I think, is one of the great initiatives, Brian, in it terms is. of giving back to the, the clubs who support the shop. Um, you know, so you, you actually feel like you're going there and, and as well as obviously looking after your own needs, you're also supporting your club as well. So I think that's a great initiative. Well, I had the pleasure of um, playing with Lee. He agreed to play with me. I went up to the Queensland Open, didn't have any, didn't have anybody... <laughs> Graham, Graham Barber's going to travel from Elliot Heads, 500 k's, one way to play with me in the men's pairs. And I said, look, it's too far to come. I had a spare room up there, but I couldn't get any takers. All I had to do was fly up and back. And, and so Lee agreed to play with me. And I broke the rules, Lee, by playing in with you. And then I played <laughs> in the 60 and over with um, Kiwi Ronnie, Ronnie Bartley. Had a great time, met some fantastic people, didn't we, at Musgrave Hill? Oh, it was a great day. And, and Chantal was there and uh, Ron and uh, Marlene Bartley come and support us and we managed to win a game uh, on a very tr- windy, and they call it Windy Hill, and Chantal said, Brian, now you've got a bowling arm. I had the wrong one then. I had the, the big, the longest one. And you better, um, we'll swap your bowls over to a, a size four. I had threes, and I I actually bought Chantel's bowls. Very good deal, I must confess. And then she swapped my bowls over at no cost, and swapped my bowling arm over. So you couldn't ask for anything more than that from a bowl shop. Uh, has it improved your bowls, Brian? Well, not according to the selectors at Jim <laughs> Parker, but I believe it has. Yeah, I actually won a couple of games down there on Thursday. So fantastic. Whether I just uh, fluked it or not, but um, <laughs> with Billy Saunders from Merch, who's a, a very good bowler, and um, Merch are lucky to have a bloke like that who's still stuck by him through thick and thin. Now yep. uh, We had a great time up in the Gold Coast. I know we shared taxi on the way back, and we had a, quite a few. We met the lovely um, girl, Georgia White, from who now... Yep. Who does the commentary? Oh, for the ringside BBL. Yep, yep. played against her um, her partner uh, Burgess. I'm trying to think of his Christian name now. I think it was Sean. I think no, it was Sean Burgess wasn't. No, it wasn't Sean. It'll come to me in a second. But um, yeah, we had and the, the other guy we played against his partner, his father Brian Marshall. 
he was the chairman of the Golden of the Sunshine Coast Bowl. So, yeah, we 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 um, run into quite a few people from the GV there, didn't we? Oh, we're yeah, up there. I remember um, Matthew Robertson and Mitch Sidebottom. We sat with them at lunch. Yeah. Um, there was a few more of our, wasn't there? I can't remember. No, it was a, it was a great. The weather wasn't that warm, but it was terrific, <laughs> terrific. You know, it wasn't beach weather, but it was really enjoyable. And to have the opportunity to play with a couple of locals was just a bonus. That's the joy of bowls, meeting people and um, and and having a good time socialising. So yeah, fantastic. it certainly is, Ash. Right, moving along, we'll uh, I'll just do a preview of the Saturday pennant coming up. Hold on, Brian. We better thank our uh, lovely sponsors. <laughs> After the Jack is brought to you by the Shepherd and Bowl Shop. For all your lawn bowling needs, visit Lee and Chantel Wakenshaw at 101 Fry Street, Shepparton, or phone 5821-1556. Now, our, our last guest on the show, Daniel Nichols, did tell me that uh, when we did get uh, Lee and Chantel in, we better get them to record the ad because he was sick of listening to my voice. But uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll work on that later. Uh, Brian, kick into the previews. Yeah, well, before we do that, I'll just kind of mention, ask Lee and Chantel, what's the most popular selling bowl at the moment in the shop? Oh, it's always a tricky one, that one. At the moment, it is the Aerodynamics, um, followed by the Dreamline XGs. Um, I think the reason being, the greens have great turn at the moment, and people just like those little bit narrower lines, being able to control the um, descent into jack. Well, it's interesting. I don't know if you've watched any of the World Championship bowls from Potter's Resort in on on YouTube, on um, or you, Ashley, but yeah. they used a wider drawing bowl over there. Yes. Particularly the Scottish and the locals. They, I reckon they used the bowls that could really – they were going out to the edge of the green. Well, I, get, I guess the Scots, when they play on their, their greens, they're probably a lot heavier. Oh, yeah, for sure. About, about so 12 seconds. Yeah. So, faster, so. But uh, Alex Marshall, I, I reckon he could use marbles and still get him pretty close. <laughs> well, I saw him play in the short mats. Yeah. You can watch it on YouTube. He played the world champion on the short mats. They use full-time bowl, uh, full-size bowls yeah. or proper bias bowls. But the mats are only about 12 metres long. And he beat Marshall in a tiebreaker in the third set. That's yeah. how well he bowled. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Wow. On half the half a normal green. Yeah. <laughs> His touch is just incredible. Yeah. But you know how much I like Alex Marshall. I still rate him the best bowler yep. in the world. Uh, we'll kick off with Division 6. Shep Parker playing Rushworth, and I think uh, the park will be too strong at home. They'll probably be... Um, on the carpet, Ash. Yeah, yep. On the on the rose green there. Yep. We got to look after our older bowlers at the club, and um, they get yeah. they, they do get um, preference, and I think it's a good idea. Yeah, even though um, the weather looks like it's going to be a bit kinder to us this week, but it's still important to keep them out of the sun. And I think they'll be too. They'll be um, the green might be a bit um, different than what Rushworth are used to. Yep. Nagambi play Seymour VRI at Nagambi. And Gamby are kicking along pretty well. Um, this will be a very interesting game. I just go Gamby at home on their carpet. Be a bit different than Seymour's. VRI's greens, and I'm going for the Gamby. Avonall got the bye, and Tat Hilltop play Marupna Golf. Marupna Golf to win this one. Division 5, Tat Hilltop Red play Kai Abram. I'm going for Tat Hilltop Red to have a win. 
Dookie play Tally, and the Tally for me, Marupna Golf versus Stanhope and Marupna Golf to win that one. Is that the one you're playing in, Lee, Division 5? That is the one we're playing in. That will be a very, very close match. He's what a stacked side, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. Division 5. Yeah, I know. Jeez, I'd... And he's won the singles at Rushworth. Yeah, so, well, I'd, I'd hope to see them there in the business end of the season. Well, we're very much hoping so. Yeah, Still yet to play a final in any yeah. division, so we're very much hoping so. Well, Stan yeah. Ape will take it right up to you because they're very yeah. successful last year in the lower divisions. Yep. Uh, Yaroa are playing Tad Hilltop Blue, and I'm going for Tad Hilltop Blue to win that one. And Colburn Abbon have got the bye. Division 4, Yaroa host Shep Park, and I'm going for Yaroa at home. East Shepherd and Lyme play Merrigan. And it's East Shep Lime to win this one on their carpet green. Kai Abram hosts East Shepherd and Pink. And it's Kai in that one. Seymour play Tad Hilltop. Seymour on their carpet. Shepherd and Golf playing Murchison at Shep Golf to have a good win. And Avonall are hosting Stan Open. I'm going for Avonall in that. That'll be a pretty close game. Whopper Williams skipping in for Stan Hope. So yep. he'll be hard to defeat. Division three, we got. Uh, we'll bring yet. Yeah, we'll bring everyone in here with their tips. Uh, Tally Garupna are playing Marupna Golf at Tally Garupna. I'm going to select Tally. Tally always hard to beat at home for mine. Yep. Yeah, Tally for me. I think. Well, Tally always always hard to beat at home, but I'm going to go with our club at the moment. I reckon Marupna Golf will get there. I reckon it'll be fourteen four, and I reckon there'll only be about six to eight shots in it. Two rinks up, two rinks down. Chantal, I no doubt agree with you. I've got to fly the flag. It's got to be Marupna Golf. <laughs> Tatura Hilltop are playing Marupna Bowls Club, and it's Tat Hilltop for me at home. Yeah, I'll go for Tat Hilltop as well. Um, Their increased depth across the, the grades this year, I think, will get them over the line. This one's at Hilltop, uh, and I, I'd uh, be tipping the home side, I'd say. On your um, Tyler, you yeah. going for Tally in the first game? We didn't even ask you, mate. No, I certainly you just did. Brian, you, you just uh, weren't listening. Just bypassed you. Sorry, mate. You, you've also bypassed Lee and Chantel <laughs> in this one, so you're going well. No, I'm asking them. Who are they going for? <laughs> uh, we're. I'm going to go the same with consensus. I'm going to go Tat Hilltop on their home green of Hilltop. They're very hard to beat, especially with emerge and strengthening all their divisions. I think they'll get home. Seymour, despite only beating Shep Park by two shots. Last round uh, against the bottom side. I think they'll be too strong for Shep Golf at Seymour. Yeah, I'd, I'd favour them as well. I think um, they're, they're going to be a benchmark side in Division 3 with the likes of Robbie Baldwin, Max Hammond, uh, Robert Biggles-Brown. I think that's their top side, so you'd expect to see them, particularly at home. If they win all their home games, there's six or seven wins, so... I'll back them in again. And just on that, I got a feeling from Robbie Baldwin that uh, they want to move next season. They want to just commit to the Goulburn Valley, and not to the. I think the Central's going to be broken (coughs) right up. They'll be they'll be forced to commit to the Goulburn Valley, Brian, because the the Central won't exist anymore. They they really want to just have one one club. I think a lot of them initially wanted Mm. to move completely to Goulburn Valley, and it's been very difficult to have a side in two. Well, it's, it's the only only club in Australia that plays in two different competitions. Catandra well, no, West plays in the, the Murray and the GV. Yeah, but so. not their men. I'm talking about 
men and late or midweek and Saturday the only side in Australia <coughs> that ha- play in two competitions. It hasn't been difficult. It's been a downright mess, I think. Really, yeah, I agree with because you. you look at their players and and where they're at now. They've gone from Division One three years ago to Division Two. They've been relegated two years in a row in the Golden Valley, and surely that's a byproduct of having players playing in two different competitions and here, there, and everywhere. How can they get any continuity or build for a future? by playing in two different competitions. You know, I look at a few years ago, I was playing against Matt O'Sullivan. Now, I don't know whether he's playing at all now. He's not playing and, uh, yeah, no, he's not even playing. Yeah. He's a good bowler. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he was one that they could build a future around. Alison Hall's obviously moved to Melbourne. So they've, you know, the Spargos used to play there. But because of that uncertainty, how can you recruit players? And, yeah, I think it's just an absolute basket case. Well, really. VRI are in the same position. Yeah, exactly Seymour right. VRI, exactly yeah. the same. So um, I'd hope to see some sort of um, better structure or better alignment to help them prosper as a club going forward. There's yeah. plenty of water to go under the bridge in terms of the setup of, of bowls in the region next year. And yep. it's it's something that we probably need to dedicate a whole show to uh, in in the uh, near future uh, in terms yep. of what is going to happen because there's there's plenty of... Uh, differing views on what should happen with the central clubs. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we probably will uh, go into that a bit further in another show. But you're right, it needs to be uh, a one club, one league uh, type setup, I, I think. Yeah, well, and that's not to be critical of the people who are involved at Seymour Bowls Club, but it just doesn't seem to me that how can it, how can it possibly function properly with, with that sort of system, really? Um, so hopefully it gets sort well, resolved in the near future. I don't think they always had their best. Well, they get they never had their best team on the park in the GV, in my opinion, because mm. some of the, three or four of their best players who could have been in the team were playing in the C mm. in the central. Yeah, and even though they said this is our number, we got our this is our number one side. Yep. Their number two sides played in the central, and then they'd have their number three. Playing Golden Valley in the number four in the central, so yeah, I remember it just doesn't work out. I remember probably five or six years ago when Mark Ryan first arrived at Chet Park, and Seymour were um, sitting second or third in Division One at Christmas, and everyone thought, oh, they're going to be a real sniff here for the Premiership, and then all of a sudden the wheels fell off, and I don't know whether it was the players swapping between Central and Golden Valley, but it just and 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 they they never got really close to being that competitive ever again in Division One, and then obviously. Obviously, eventually, um, they ended up out of Division One, and then they're in the threes. So. I don't think they win a, won a game after Christmas. Actually. Yeah, that was yeah. that was with the likes of Murray Horton and Scott Fletcher, and they had some quite good bowls. Allison Hall was there as well, and it just yeah, that's they've never really been the same after that. No, they were a good side when they first came up here. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, okay, and then we got Shep Park uh, hosting Dookie at home, and I think. Uh, Shep Park may get off the bottom of the ladder with a win over Dookie. Yeah. It won't be easy. But it won't be easy. Again, this is Dookie's top side, and they've got some pretty pretty savvy bowlers in their lineup. Um, I tend to favour Dookie in this one, unfortunately. Unless Brian has a big one, I'd say Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Griffith or Brian Nisbet? Brian Griffith, he's number one and I'm number two. <laughs> now, we've got a good rink. Um, it's good to play with Murray Phillips. He's a very good skipper in Division 3, probably one of the best. And got a good third in Ray Phillips who he, he doesn't enjoy skipping. And uh, I'll tell you what, he's a pretty handy third, Ray. So 
it's a we've got a good good settled rink and we all get on well, which is good. Division two, Shep Golf are playing Kyabram. And I'm going for Shep Golf to win this and I think they'll win the premiership. Now here's another discussion point. I believe Shep Golf will with the new rules, not not that I'm on the match committee or anything or on the executive, but Shep Golf win division two, they'll be playing division one next year. Interesting topic you raised because I know it's hap- obviously happened in midweek and um, I think this has sort of been swirling around for a few years now, the debate about it all, because um, th- there's no doubt. Well, uh, how do you think a second Shep Golf side would go on the ones? Do you reckon they'd beat? Yes, I reckon I reckon they could beat... Yarrawa? Well, well Yarrawa won't be there. But would they, would, their, would their Division 2 side beat Yarrawa this year if they played tomorrow? Yes, certainly. Yep. Um, would they beat Park? I reckon they'd push Park and they'd push Stanhope. Well, it's interesting you say that because I've seen Shep Golf sides for this week and uh, Graham Silky Myers is back playing for Shep Golf in their Division 2. So it's, uh, it's only a matter of time, I thought. I had, I've noticed he's been playing in the midweek and he's back in the uh, in the Saturday pennant mix as well. So um, I'd, I'd tend to agree with you, Brian. If, if they go up into Division 1 next year, um, I think they'd be quite competitive. So do I. Well, you look at the likes of Wayne Gribble. How many he'd play in a few Division One sides around here? Yeah, I rate Wayne Gribble. I reckon he's a good bowler, but he probably I think his best position is skip. Yeah, that's right. He, he's he's um he's what pro- do you call it? He's he's probably a victim of Shep Golf's dominance in Division One. There's not really a, 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 well, there's not a skipper spot there for him based on who they've had, and you could he could play third, but again, their thirds are top quality as well. So you, then you're playing him second or lead, which is totally out of position. He's the Peter O'Brien or Neville Varco yep. from Kai Abram. Their best position was skip. They both come up from skipping in the twos, and Phil Denham's another one. Yep. Put them in a skip because in the ones, and they they won as many games as they lost when they when they had to fill in. I wouldn't call them fill ins. Yep. And I think Wayne Gribble's in the same in the same category. Well, yeah, and um, I, I, I tend to think there's sort of. Um, those good Division Two skippers, they might be asked to play in Division One, and they say, "Well, I'd rather skip in Division Two if I'm going to play lead or second in Division One because they, they just love skipping." We could be hopefully the cards fall the way and we get a Denim because um, I think Denim and Gribble are both unbeaten in the Division Two skipping ranks. Yes. So it'd be nice to see them draw each other. The issue I have with um, choosing not to to go up uh, is that there's only three sides in Division Two that don't have a Division One side. So you get to a point where why bother having promotion and relegation uh, if most of the sides are just going to turn it down? Um, mm. So I think you either you either have to force clubs to go up if they win, mm. or put the next side up, uh, which I don't like either. So I, I certainly think um, on principle the, the premiership winner should go up and. The, the wooden spooner should go down. Where where the waters get a bit muddy though with this whole promotion relegation thing is. Tally only won one premiership and they to get into division. They won the division two and they got up into division one, which was fair. But the, a couple of years before that, they didn't win their grand final to get up, like to earn promotion. But they still got put up anyway. So six of one, half a dozen the other. You got to ha- the rules have got to be consistent yes. either way. You can't pick and choose just because everyone knew that Tally was getting a side together to potentially compete in Div One a couple of years down the track. They 
you can't just promote them based on that. They should no. have to win the premiership to earn the right. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And if if Shep Golf do go up, and I think they will, they they then have to draw players from Division Three. Mm. Well, their Division Three could win the flag and play Division Two next year. Who knows? But yeah. I believe they'll be still in the threes because they have got Seymour and uh, Tally to overcome. Yep. But they have to draw a Division Three players if they've got players out. So it lessens the depth. It creates a bigger it? gap, doesn't it? Yeah, a bigger it? gap. And and I think that's where, um, you know, sort of the smaller clubs sort of struggle. You look at someone like Nagambi when you were last there, Brian, I think you m- might have had a Division 1 and a Division 5 or a Division 2, and, and, and that gap's just too massive because if someone's unavailable, it's, it's unfair to sort of expect someone to come up and play the same role, if that makes sense. The ones that stepped up found are very, very difficult. Mm. And, um without mentioning names, but I think it's a lot of pressure on them too. Mm, exactly. And we, we brought up two guys who had old bowls. Yes. So imagine playing Division 1 mm. using the old uh, international made by Drake's. Chantal's old classic twos. Yeah, well. <laughs> They're still in the garage if anyone wants to borrow <laughs> I mean, they weren't, they weren't only handicapped by coming up from a lower division. Yeah. They didn't have narrow bowls. And yeah. there was a few players in the game, he said, they shouldn't be playing them unless they had narrow bowls. They'd rather have someone else play. Well, it makes so it very difficult. It does. So who are we tipping, Kai, and golf in the twos? I'm going for golf comfortably at home. Yeah, go- golf at home for me. Yeah, golf as well for me. Yeah, I, I tend to pick golf in that one. I think I'll do it comfortably. Shep Park host Rushworth on the, on the uh, grass. Mm-hmm. We're not giving Rushworth any advantage. We're playing them on the grass. <laughs> I believe uh, Graham Myers told me they played on the grass over there the other day and Gene Sprague knocked him off, so I had a crack at him today. I said, he said she bowled very, very well. On the green wasn't green wasn't too bad. He gave him a bit of a, you know, it was playable. And Oh, they have been. Um, I spoke to Kevin A lot Gilbert. of work on the green, apparently. Yeah, they've done a lot there. It's going apparently very well. Who do you like in this one, Brian? Park, Park. Well, yeah, big big game for Park. They obviously lost their last game at home by a shot against Marutma, so they really need to bank these wins at home to give themselves any chance of sneaking into the four. Jean Sprague's rink's obviously pretty crucial. She sort of gets the two points more often than not for her side, but it's whether the other rinks can chip in as well to help the overall I'll go Park 14-4. Well, i got a little bit of inside information too. Chris, Gar- Chris Garvey is unavailable this week, oh. and I think that will be a big out for Rushworth Massive to out. fill that hole. Who takes his place? Barb. Um, she hasn't been playing. Not sure. Not sure. So I think Park will do it easy because I think that's going to leave a big yeah, hole. Chris has been going well. Yeah, yeah. Rink, if yeah, it was on rink, synthetic, yeah. uh, I would say Rushworth have a good crack. They have one of the best synthetic teams in the region. Mm. But on Park's grass, I think Park will win comfortably. Yeah. I think uh, I think Park as well. But uh, I think does Rushworth have the same issue uh, of the – Big gap between sides. Is it Div Two and Div Six? Um, it is, yes. Yeah, especially, so th- especially this year, Div Six is going really well, but mm. a lot of those people are stepping up are quite inexperienced. So it is a huge ask for them to yeah. step up. So they they do have a big golf, and now that they've got a few people, I think they're going to have a little bit of trouble filling those holes. It's a, it certainly is a big jump, Div Six to Div Two. Yeah, and it's a, as Brian said, you've the. the 
players themselves would feel a lot of pressure and it can be quite overwhelming because, you know, it can be a little bit louder as well on the greens. It, um, you know, you've got to obviously get them a little bit closer and things like that. So, um, but it's it's one of those things, the smaller clubs with less less numbers, unfortunately, that's that's the situation that a lot of them are in. But hopefully they can attract new members and try and build their depth that way. Yes, and East Shepparton are hosting Marupna. And I think um, East was struggling the twos. They beat Nagambi by two, but probably uh, Nagambi are undermanned. It was down there, but I believe uh, Marupna will be too strong and they'll win 16-2 over at East on the carpet. Yeah, I th- the the home surface sort of brings it a little bit back closer to East's favour, but I do think um, Marupna with the likes of Darren Kelly, Bruce Anselmi, um, and I know Max McKee had a, had a day out last time against Shep Park and sort of got them over the line by the narrow margin, so um, I tend to favour Marupna in this one away. I've been tipping Marupna uh, in Div 2. Uh, they're definitely a smoky to, uh, to make finals and have a bit of a run for mine, and uh, I'll stick with them. I picked Marupna as well. Their Division 2 outfit, as Ash touched on, are absolute class outfit. They're, they're a top-grade team, and I reckon they'll win 16-2 to 18-0. Chantel? Oh, I'm not going to buck the trend. I'm going to stick with you boys and go Marupna. The Gamby hosts the Tura Hilltop over there. I reckon it's a danger game for Tad Hilltop. I agree. Um they just need one other rink. One rink's getting beaten comfortably each week and it's hard to cover. Um, I reckon Angel and uh, and Robert Page will win their rinks. But I, I'm a bit worried about um, the margin in the other games. Desi will do a good job. And so will Mick Mitchell, who won his last match. So in a close one, um, Nagambi to go down 4-14 by about 12 shots. The hilltop, the Jura hilltop. Yeah, I, I agree with you. This is a bit of a banana peel game for Tat Hilltop. They're sort of looking like a final side, obviously with their increased depth, but I'm not sure that a lot of their players would have played at Nagambi in pennant for no, quite, a, quite a fair amount of time, and that might be where Nagambi gets a little bit of an advantage. So um, I'm going to back in the Lakers here, and I'm going to say uh, 12-6, big win to uh, Rob Page. Bulldogs for mine. If uh, the rink of Ray Selwood, Nick Zeros, Dot yep. Best and Ash McDonald manage to draw one of the, the weaker yeah. Gamby rinks, I think it'll be a, a Bulldogs win comfortably. Well, well that's interesting because uh, Ash McDonald's been uh, leading in Division 1 and Nick Zeros was as well. So I had to have them back in Division 2. I didn't know that, but um, big, big, uh, big inclusions for their Division 2 side. So I'll still stick with the Lakers. Oh, I'm going to have to buck the trend. I'm going to have to go with um, Tyler on this one. I reckon uh, Tat Hill Chop, um, not comfortably. I reckon it'll be a 14-4 and very close contest. I think Hilltop are starting to get settled, even though they've had a couple of changes. I think it's all starting to uh, gel together now. I think I actually think they'll do it comfortably. Very good. And now we'll move on to the Premier Division, Division One. We've got Shep Park hosting Stanhope at uh, Shep Park on the carpet. Uh, PK Nichols is uh, he won't move off that. I think it's a fortress. I can see um, reasons why they probably should play on the grass too occasionally, but every second match is probably on the grass. So that's his uh, theory. And um, 
Well, not, I, not I reckon they'd only lose one game at home, and I'm going to stick by that. The park to this will be a close match. I think Stanhope are not without a chance, and fourteen four to Park. Yeah, well, I mean, so far, um, you know, Parks only played the one game on grass against Tally, and that that was an eighteen nil loss. Um, our next game on grass will be next week against Ship Golf and Matt Flapper and Flap and Matt Flapper. Um, so, I mean, really important, obviously, to, to get the win this week against Stanhope just to take a bit of confidence into that golf clash. Um, you know, we've mentioned in previous weeks, Brad Robinson, you know, he's he's a really one to watch for Stanhope. Um, it'll be interesting to see who he draws. Um, and then Shane Walsh is obviously still going, you know, still a top flight skipper in in the Golden Valley. So, They've they've got a lot of tools there to work with, and I, I agree with you, Brian. I think they'll really give Park a push on the weekend. Um, they're stuck with the the changes to um, Paul Paul Nichols's rink and Paul Warren's rink. So Paul Warren looking for his first win of the year. So he's got his I think it's his third combination in three three games essentially. Um, Heath Matthews has gone out of the side. I think probably a little bit a bit stiff to be dropped given he was in Dennis Smythe's rink and they have they've had a couple of good wins. Um, so Dennis Beck takes his spot essentially as his second, which interesting call for mine. I think Dennis Beck's probably in that basket that um, we were talking about before with the likes of Wayne Gribble. He probably likes playing Skip in the twos, going up and playing second in the ones. Not sure whether whether that's his best role, but um, that remains to be seen. Has hasn't won his rink um, so far this year in Division Two. So um, interesting call. Dennis is going all right in his rink with with Boxer Brody and, and Dave Hardy. Um, so ho- hopeful that Park can get over the line, but I don't think it'll be a sweep either way. I think it'll be Stanhope fourteen four for mine. I spoke to Robbo today. Um, he said the, the sort of the, the main point for Stanhope, and, and we have touched on it a few times, that they don't really have um, any one standout that's mm. sort of streaking away from the pack and, and keeping them in games. It, uh, it, it sort of comes from across the board, the leads down to the skips. Mm. And they really pushed golf um, before the heated out game. And he said he was a bit disappointed that they didn't get to test themselves against the combine. Uh, he thought they would have been you know, really up to it, and especially coming off really doing well against golf. Um, uh, and I think, yeah, I, I think it'll be Stanhope for mine. I, I think us all, uh, myself included, continue to sort of let them fly under the radar and mm. I don't think uh, they'll be flying under the radar for too much longer this season. Yeah, good good call. Yes, Chantel <laughs> and Lee. Yeah, I think I'm going to pick Park in this one. Um, Stanhope, probably one of the hardest teams to beat this year in Division 1. They've pl- proved our true class up there. But I think... I think Parker will do it comfortably, literally because they're on a carpet. It is a fortress to them. I reckon 16-2 to Park. Well, I'm I'm going with Park. I think uh, Paul Warren will get his golden ticket this week. I think Josh will get over the line, and I think Paul Nichols will too. So I think they're going to do it quite well. Um, Stanhope's doing very well, though. Uh, very happy to see Dave Townsend down here with us. Uh, um Enjoy my time up at Hay with the Hay guy, so nice to see him down here. So I hope their rink might get up, depending on who they draw, but I think the other three, Ed Parkers, will do it under the fortress. Just interested, Brian. So who's the one side that can roll Park at, on their home fortress, in your humble? Uh, golf? Yeah, I think golf. Yeah? I'd give a Shep a bit of a chance, too. 
I would. I'd, I'd say East will match him. But golf's aside, I think they'll lose too. But I, Hill, Tad, uh, Hill, when they were Hilltop, they beat him there last year as well. Mm. So with with the extra tat depth, could be a possibility. Tally, no, not giving Tally a sniff or. Oh, you'd have to give Tally a sniff, but a lot of their bowlers wouldn't have played on the on, on the new car- no on the new carpet, yep. and it's different than the old one, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, so I, th- I think Tally will come home like a steam train. Mm. I think you'll find they're going to be a different team after Christmas, especially. I think they're just finding their feet, and I yep. think they'll be running pretty soon. So don't don't knock them off just yet. Oh now I picked them to win it. So <laughs> <laughs> well, give them the kiss of death straight up. Yeah. Well, speaking of Tally, Brian, they've they've got a, um, a a game of the difference this week. Yeah. Well, we may as well discuss. We'll we'll quickly. Um, We'll discuss Tad Hilltop first. Don't put him out of his order, Ash. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm very <laughs> methodical. Here. Yeah. Tad Hilltop plays Shep Golf. At uh, Where's this one at? This one is the at Tatura. Tatura. I think Shep Golf will win this. Uh, I'm going 16-2. Uh, I think Chris Ferguson's rink might struggle, but they'll get the other three. By the... By, I reckon about 18 shots. It'll be a good tight match. Yeah, well, obviously, um, golf returning to Tat for the first time uh, since their grand final victory over Park. Um, we've covered that Tat of Hilltop have got a couple of ins and outs. So um, bar Paul Newman's one of those who's in. Gary Russell's out, Brian. Now, one of the undefeated skips and someone you had in your top five for the year, you've noticed a bit of a trend emerging with, with this. Well, I mentioned it on, on the program, I think, last week or the week before, that Gary Russell and Lee Farrell as a combination with Russell Skipper and Lee Third haven't lost a match Yep, in Division 1. They're standing at about 11 now, but... The game he did miss last year, Gary Russell, was against Shep Golf. And believe it or not, they must have played at the same time last year because he's missing a game. Well, so this sounds a bit like Peter Moody with Black Caviar and trying to preserve her unbeaten streak. He'd sort of pick and choose and bypass. Is, is, is Gary Russell's trainer Gunnar Ryan out there and he, he's sort of just prepping well, him I, for I, certain... I'd like to hear what Gunnar Ryan's going to, what his answer to this would be, because uh, it's a bit suspicious, I believe. Ma- massive out for you know yeah, this massive is massive out. He's, I'm um, disappointed because that's you know I like to see him prove himself against the best, and they're the best. And you know, obviously, Tad Hilltop coming off um, you know a bit of a lacklustre performance in the last round, so they'd be keen to really prove themselves against Shep Golf. Um, for that reason, I, I think Shep Golf, like you, will win 16-2. I think Cart, Denzel Cartwright's rink might nick two points. But, you know, um, depending on who he draws as well, because we know that um, him and Brad Orr together, they've got a bit of a rivalry that dates back through finals and grand finals and that big big grand yes. final where Orr, Orr had him about 20 to... Zip. At yes. half time. And what they lose by overall, a couple? Yes. Yeah, so um, they definitely... Um, you know, it'd be great to see them draw each other, but I think Shep Golf for mine. Not sure whether it's the loss or Russell being out, but it has caused a bit of a reshuffle across the rinks. I'll just uh, I'll just read them out to you. Russell Locke is skipping uh, with Lee Farrell third, Peter Lesur second, and Justin Spedding lead. Uh, Cartwright, Atwood, 
Josh Cartwright and Jeff McNaughton, Brendan Boyd, Jared Tinning, Ross Coulston and Olivia Cartwright, who uh, we should touch on that won back-to-back women's state singles. It's an outstanding effort. Her her resume just keeps getting longer and um, as a 16-year-old, she's she's certainly going places in the sport Um, and it's just great to see. Uh, I know it's a common theme when we when we chat about her mm. um, and about her efforts that she's just got a great head on her shoulders and mm-hmm. she, she's just unflappable um, on the mat and uh, it's really uh, she she really dominated the, the competition. Well, in terms of um, achieving as much as she has at such a young age, the name that springs to mind for me from a Golden Valley point of view, Brian, and you might remember this one's Jessie Eva. Do you remember her? The beautiful Jessie Eva. Yeah. Had the pleasure of interviewing uh, a number of times. Yeah, great bowl. I think she won her first title about 13, 14 over at Tatura. And um, came back to fame prominence a couple of years ago on the block. On the block. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and you know, Olivia, back-to-back singles titles. Um, she she was the first name I thought of, in t- and, you know, the, the sky's the limit for her, really. And she's also made the last two Champion to Champion singles finals as well and won one of them, obviously a big comeback against... Jean Sprague, and then yes. couldn't uh, couldn't manage the same the year after when she gave her another bit of a lead. But um, yeah, obviously going great guns, and uh, that last rank there. Sorry, Nick Boyd, Jason Carter, Paul Newman, as you mentioned, up in the ones, and Tim Nile, uh, and yeah, I think golf sixteen two as well. Um, this is a game of a round for me, I'd mm. I'd say. And look, I was on the first hand drumming from Denzel in the um, pairs. He was. He is in absolute red hot form. So I'm going to actually go for Tachura Hilltop to win this one, fourteen uh, four, and I reckon it's only going to be about two or three shots in it. I'm. I'm actually going to pick golf, but I think Tat Hilltop have really overthought this, and I think if they can relax within the first five or six ends, I think they'll give it a good shake. I just hope they can just relax and play their game because they're well and truly good enough and I just hope they haven't overthought it. It's an interesting one. Like um, These sides that are chasing golf, you really feel these first encounters, the first times they play them are crucial for them sort of figuring where they're at and, and what they've got to improve as the season goes on to actually compete with them. So, you know, if Tad Hilltop can push them or even upset them, that'll give them the world of confidence going forward, obviously, um, into Christmas and next year as well. So, I uh, I was going to uh, let you get away with the pairs, Lee, uh, but we should mention it now. Uh, Dave uh, and Josh, they won thirty nine one in their first game. Uh, I don't know if you watched that. You would have watched that game, but I did watch. Would have been that one. Uh, just in massive uh, touch, like great form, and uh, obviously uh, yourself came up against it in the the next game and twenty six nine. A bit of a, a bit of a better showing, but yeah, they they must be in good form. Look, we, we're not embarrassed how we played at all. We played absolute magnificent bowls, and we had bowls in the head. If, if we was holding two or three, David last bowl would take it off us. Josh played some magnificent mm. drive shots, built the head fantastically. As a, as a pair, they're probably the best pair I've ever played. They were absolutely fantastic. And like I said, a lot of the ends, we was holding twos, we was holding a few threes, and Denzel would just turn it into twos and threes to them every, every time. He was in red-hot form. I've never been... On the side of it where you're just in awe of your opposition all day. It was just great bowling. <laughs> so I could say absolutely magnificent. Shame we're on the wrong side of yeah, it. But it's still it good to watch, I'd imagine. Yeah. Good experience for you, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we'll just move on. We're going to touch on the pairs on the second round or the quarterfinals shortly, the men's state pairs at Tally Garupna this week. Um, just let supporters know where it's at. So Tally Garupna are hosting East Shepherd on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Ash at 6 o'clock. Yeah, so um, at Tally Garupna. 6.30 start. But six, six, uh, roll up at 6. 6, roll up six, at six p.m. roll up for a 6.30 p.m. start. So I'm pretty sure crowds are allowed to attend now yes. with restrictions and that. So if you aren't doing anything on Friday, uh, Friday night, uh, go over there and have a couple of cheap beers um, and support what'll what'll be a great Friday night game of bowls. I think massive game for Tally Brian. Massive. Yeah, it is. I think Tally will be will be um, too good on their home track, and I reckon uh, I think East may get a couple of rinks. I'll go for um, a night game. Different different situation. They've probably never played at night before. Not in a pennant match. Uh, 14-4 to tally by 16 shots. Well, yeah, and both of these sides are level pegging with one and two. Um, so, you know, the winner of this is going to really probably kickstart their, their finals aspirations and start that climb back up the ladder. The other one will be behind the, be behind the eight ball at one and three. So um, Hill, um, East Shep coming off the confidence booster against Hilltop last time, they would have really relished the chance to try and back that up against Shep Park at home last week. Unfortunately, um, wasn't to be. So they've got to go to Tally's Green, which is always a, a difficult proposition. Um, and I, I think, you know, Tally at home are probably a little bit, probably 20, 20 shots better side at home. Um, yeah, Ma- Mark Ryan, uh, you know, say no more. Um, you know, Matt Robinson, Brett Gunning, Mitch Sidebottom, their skips are high quality. Gunning probably, probably you know, he, he'll be keen to p- prove a point a little bit. He hasn't been in his top, tip-top form. So um, I'll back Tally in 16-2. You know how much I love a Friday night game, Ash, yeah, and yes. very underutilised in the region. Yep. Uh, I spoke to Rhino today, and uh, just the one change for Tally, uh, Glenn Pousty up. Uh, for the unavailable Guy Madigan. Okay. Um, so they've they've kept fairly stable, despite obviously only one win to start the season. Yep. Um, but, yeah, Rhino said it, it's really the the leads and the seconds where the game's going to be won because across the entire Alan Matheson Shield, the, mm. the skips in the thirds are, are, are really comparable at, mm. from all sides. Yep. Um, so it's just that, that leads and, and seconds where, it, you know, he's going to put the heat on his own, uh, you know, front... Eight to, uh, to to put the heat on East's front eight. And uh, I think Taylor will get it done uh, 16-2. I, I think on the home green they, they grow a leg, and especially with a bit of home support. I reckon the, the entire cricket club, uh, the Northerners, will probably be there having a couple of uh, quiet, cheap frothies and a couple of snags as well. So, uh, Tally for me. Yeah, I reckon it's great that Taddy Groupner are hosting a Friday night game and I think they're going to get a fair bit of support there. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, Taddy Groupner, I do feel, are a very, very strong team on their home ground, so I picked Tally 16-2 against East. Well, I, like you, Brian, picked Tally for the flag and I think they're going to relish their home ground and their home support and I think they'll get the job done. Very good. Now, uh, Ash, can uh, we, we get a... Do, do sorry. We, do, we miss Kyabram and... Come on, Brian. Oh, no, come on. Yoroa. Yeah, well, how can we forget Kyabram? Yes. Uh, so, Kai Yoroa, Brian, at Yoroa, I believe. Correct? Oh, I think it's at Kyabram. 
I believe it's Kai. I'll double check for you. So Kai Yaroa, I'm going to back Kai in this one. They've they've made a pretty promising start to the year under Dane Gade. Um, you know, really, they they could nearly be un, unbeaten. They um, just lost to Park in round one, then got the win, first win against Stanhope, and um, had another solid result in round three. Um, upsetting tally, so um, they're they're ticking along nicely. And if they can get the three and one, they'd be super wrapped with that, which I think they will this weekend. I'll go sixteen two. I'll go. I'm going eighteen zip. I think Kenny Sutcliffe, uh, his third last week, played Division Five for Violet Town. Unless he gets a a bit more support, I'm not knocking the player, but that shows you how thin they are in depth. Uh, you're talking about having good thirds. Um, I think they're the exception. I think their thirds would be seconds or leads in most clubs. And it's easy to kick someone when they're down. But I, I see Kai winning this by 50 shots at home, 18 zip. Yeah, it is at Kai Abram. Uh, and 18-0 Kai for me. Uh, Dane Gade, really bullish about the Bombers this season. And, and rightfully so, uh, as you mentioned, Ash. They're, they're rolling along nicely. And, and But for um, you know a, a bowl either way in the first round could mm. be undefeated. So uh, I think... Uh, yeah, the Bombers 18-0 and um, unchanged again bar uh, some sets of bowls, I believe. Uh, I think Dane said he's he's not happy with uh, the, the ones he's rolling with at the moment, so he's going to go back to his old ones and uh, we'll see how, how that goes for him on the weekend. I was just going to say, if he got new bowls but he's gone back to old I hope he bought them from the Shepparton and Bowl Shop. <laughs> That's right, it's obviously. If he does need a new set, I know where he can go to get a good set. <laughs> we'll see how the old ones go this weekend. He might be, he might come knocking. Um, I, I also do pick Kai in this one. They've, they've made a great start to the season. It shows their depth as well, and I really do think Kai will get a 16-2 victory over Euroa and their home turf. Yeah, Kai for me. Thanks, Chantel. Now the state pairs. Can you like to read out the draw for this sec, for the quarterfinals at Stanhope, starting at nine fifteen? Roll up on Sunday, nine thirty. Yeah, it's certainly a um, a crackerjack last eight. Really, um, when you read out the quarterfinal matchups. So in the first one, we have Rob George and Paul McInnes versus David Dawes and Chris Ferguson. Prediction, Brian. I'll go the golf pair. I'm going George. George and McInnes for me. Yep. I'm going. I'm getting on Tyler's bandwagon. Robbie George, he bowled all right. He bowled well in the singles, and I reckon, yeah. And little jockey, he's a really good leader. Yep. Lee. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Kai Paravera. I'm going to go Rob George and um, Paul McInnes. I uh, played against Jock in the state singles in an epic 25-24 loss, and he leads absolutely unbelievable. No, I'm going for the golf boys. Uh, good on you, Chantal. I didn't want to be Robinson Crusoe there on my own. Um, <laughs> So, um, second quarter final matchup: Bradley Orr and Mackenzie Truon versus David and Josh Cartwright. Another bumper clash here. Well, I'm going for the Cartwrights. I've, after what Lee told me, I know how, I've, you know Denzel's a great player. I haven't seen his son um, actually bowl, mm. but uh, after their performance last week, Denzel loves the big challenge, and um, it's a different game than singles. Uh, but I, you know, Ori, he's always hard to defeat. The big show, the big show. But I, I reckon the the Cartwright combination will get up. This is worthy of a grand final clash. It is, uh, mm. yeah. And uh, the, if they draw each other on Saturday, they could because uh, uh, they both play in each other's rings. Uh, yes. Obviously, Ori and Drew and, and 
the Cartwrights are together, so could be uh, a big couple of days of bowls against each other. They might be sick of each other by the end of Sunday, but uh, yeah, I'd say uh, Cartwright for me. Yeah, look, I'm I'm going to go with with Orr and, and Truen. Just what you mentioned, I, I probably played when when the Cartwrights were still at Kybram probably two seasons ago um, in Division Two, and Josh we played him on carpet at Shep Park, and Josh he was he's only a pint sized little boy, but um, he, he, he you know he's got that beautiful delivery. You can tell he's been coached really well. Probably didn't have his best day that day that I've seen him, but clearly improved out of sight since then, and that all comes with it. Uh, I know. Denzel said, you know, um, they'll play pennant on Saturday and it'll be come Sunday I'll come around and he'd be, can we go down to the green for a bowl, Dad, and all that. So he's just keen to learn and keen to bowl and that's that's what you need to get better, obviously. And having Olivia there as well, no doubt they're, they're pretty competitive kids and, you know, really push each other along. So it's great to see them in the last eight together, father and son. Uh, yeah, my pick's definitely um, David and Josh. As I said before, they're probably the best team I've ever seen, literally because of the team chemistry, the way they gel together, the way they set up the head and the shots they play. Um, Brad Orr and Mackenzie True are an absolute fantastic opposition, but I think it's still new partnership there between those two because I know Brad used to play with David Dool, so I think mm. the team chemistry True. will get the cart rights over the line. I think this is going to be incredibly close and at risk of divorce, I'm going to go with the with the golf boys again. <laughs> <laughs> um, third quarter final, Darren Kelly and Jeff Anselmi from Marupna playing John and Wayne Gribble. And I think I tipped them as a smoky or at least win the section, the Gribbles. They always, yes, play, they always play very well in the pairs together. So they're my prediction for this yep. one. I agree with you. I'm going for the Gribbles. Marupna boys for me. He's your Marupna, Marupna man, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go against golf again. After watching um, Darren, Jeff, yeah. Jeff and Darren play, they had a really hard group with Matt Robertson and mm. Brett Gunning in. They also had um, Russell Locke and Russell's young fella they played against. And to get Josh, through that, yeah. Josh, young Josh, that was a guy. And to get through that, I, I'm going to pick Marupna boys. No, keep going fair on. call. Fair, massive, yep, fair comment. Oh, I better, I, I better join Shep Golf the rate I'm going. The golf boys again for me. <laughs> Jeez, are we all in the shop? Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Tomorrow, I reckon, or and, Saturday. <laughs> and our last quarter final, we've got brothers versus father and son, Nick and Brendan Boyd from Tat Hilltop versus Daniel and Paul Nichols. Um, interesting one, this one. You know, um, I'm not not too sure who's skipping out of Brendan and Nick, but they're both. They both play a pretty positive game through the head, and if they hit their drives, you know, they can sort of blow anyone off the park. But um, Daniel and Paul play a lot of pairs together, um, so I think I'll go with them in a tight one. Well, their record in pairs, I think they've only lost a couple of times. Uh, They made the state final, Mm -hmm. and I've said before, I went down and watched Paul Nichols beat everyone he bowled against. Daniel was a bit overawed for the first seven ends in the final. But when they're beating players at a calibre of Ali Forsyth mm. in the semis and giving him a touch-up, um, I believe they're my pick, probably a bit biased, but they're my pick to win the pairs. Okay. I reckon they're a brilliant combination and I can see them winning the state title before they give bowls away. Nichols for me as well. Uh, I agree with you, Brian. They're uh, a great combination together. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go um, the Nichols boys as well. They're a very, very accomplished team. Very unflappable and, yeah, they're, they're well-rounded. 
So who's our overall winner, Brian, then? Hold on. Nick, oh, sorry. Tells. Oh, oh, you know what? I'm going to go for the brothers. Come on. Come on, the Boyd boys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just would be different. <laughs> oh, I, think, so, I think Nick also will, will win it. Okay. Tyler? Or uh, whoever wins out of Cartwright and all. Okay. I'll, I'll stick with um, – actually, no, I'm going to go left field and go the Gribbles. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to go the Cartwrights myself. That team chemistry, I reckon, will get them there. I'd like to change my tip, actually. So, you go first, Chantel. I'm going to go with David Dawes. Uh, yeah, well, I'll go uh, George and McInnes. Okay, so we've got a bit of a mixed bag. So, hopefully one of us is right I come next week. The, 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 the panellists have a, have a great record, mostly uh, held up by me. But uh, <laughs> Now, I promised we'd touch on it last week, and we've, we've got to record time again, but uh, I'm still going to touch on it. The, uh, the Murray Bowls division, uh, the ladder currently looks like, after being heated off on the weekend, Namurka Golf, Cobram, Wanyu, who are doing quite well this year, and Namurka in the top four from Baruga, Strathmerton, Togemore Golf and Finlay RSC, obviously playing out of Finlay uh, this year after losing their, their greens. Um, but uh, And the uh, Central Bowls division, which we uh, have touched on a little bit, um, but Kilmore is going great guns. Four wins from four clashes. They actually got on on the weekend. It wasn't as hot down south. Wallen second, Seymour VRI third, Broadford fourth from Alexandra, Eildon, Seymour and Yay. Good to see Namurka in the top four of the Murray Bowls division with a couple of ex-Shep Park bowlers uh, rampaging Ross Higgins and Brian Hall, the former um, North Melbourne Kangaroos player um, heading there this year. So good to see them pushing their side up into the top bracket. I believe Brian's leading in a rink that he Ross is. is playing in. Yes, yeah. So I think he he wasn't in Ross's rink to start with, but um, Ross had a couple of losses to start the year, and Brian's gone back over uh, as his trusty lead and uh, got him on the board in the last game they played, I believe. So um, it'd be interesting to follow their progress throughout the year, and as you mentioned, one new as well, um, doing well for a one of the smaller clubs in that competition. The likes of Cobram and Baruga are generally up there. Pretty strong, certainly. Yeah, look, I, I think um, I've um, neglected to uh, cover the Murray and Central, but I'll try and get some info for the next program, Tyler. I'll take that on board. Uh, we 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 try to encompass as much as we can uh, in 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 the period of time, and uh, we'll endeavour to get bigger and better, won't we, Brian? We will. And on that note, I've got to go and pick up my wife from work. I don't know why I'm going to get shot. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks again for jumping in, Ash. And thanks very much to uh, Lee and Chantel Wakenshaw from the Shepherd and Bowl Shop for, uh, for joining us. Thank you very much for having us. It's been very enjoyable to chat with you guys about everything bowls. Thank you. As always, enjoyable to have a chat about anything. <laughs> and uh, thank you, our listeners. Uh, this is... After the Jack, and we'll speak to you next week. That was After the Jack, a McPherson Media Group production.